This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by the Email Boys, your favorite friend collective's favorite friend collective. Sporting purple since the birth room, season tickets since three lockets ago, and passing high school geometry by studying Tex Winter's triangle offense. The Email Boys thrive in the clutch and in most social settings, driven to rep the cats and educate the community on what it means to bleed purple, to be excellent, and how to rip jays like Michael Beasley. When the purple gets ready to roll, the email boys are ready to deliver. Mr. Icon, let's go ahead and start the show. Nice to have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. As we look back at K-State's 69-31 dismantling at the hands of the Texas Longhorns last Saturday. Uh, K-State will close out the regular season 4-6. Coming off of uh, this loss to Texas Caps the end of the season here for K-State as they finish the season on a five-game losing streak. And we'll see what happens in terms of uh, what happens in terms of potential bull bid for K-State. Uh, we're kind of waiting on on what that might look like, but uh, certainly a possibility. Uh, K-State finishes off this game, and, and this was really a, a tough one to watch if you're a Wildcat fan as Texas was uh, just moving up and down the field at, at will. Uh, deal I want to bring you in here. Uh, this game was about as ugly as, as any K-State game that I've seen in recent memory. Uh K-State's defense here. Let me just get the numbers for you real quick here, Dell. K-State's defense allows 10 yards of carry to the Texas uh, running game. Uh, B. John Robinson, 9 carries, 172 yards. That's a good day at the office. Not bad. Not too shabby. Yeah. Yeoman's work. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's, let's go ahead and just jump right into it here. I don't know if we need to spend a whole lot of time on this game, but, gosh, K-State, uh, you know, if you if you tell me K-State scores 31 points, I feel actually pretty good about K-State's chances in this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, there this truth be told, not everything in this game was horrible. Uh, everything for the defense was horrible. Um, yes. I mean, the complete collapse of the defense over the last uh, really six weeks uh, has been an unwelcome surprise for this Wildcat fan. Because, you know, earlier this season, the, the story on... And I'm sorry, I'm jumping into big picture right now just because... Sure, go ahead. Uh, but earlier this season, we were looking at it like, man, it, it's it's such a shame that we're wasting this this defense uh, on this year because the defense appeared to be one of the better defenses K-State's had in the last decade. And then, gosh, you look at really ever since the... Uh, the, the West, well, but even before then, with the West Virginia game, sure. is when the defense started leaking oil, uh, and then the Oklahoma State game just appear, appears to be an apparition at this point. And part of that's because uh, no Tylen Wallace, no uh, Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, he was in the game, but he was he was he hasn't really been pretty really limited um, really all season, honestly, for Oklahoma and, State. And so you start looking at that Oklahoma State game and thinking, well, maybe. But even so, the the last three games have just been so bad. I mean, we couldn't stop Iowa State at all. Baylor uh, defense played lights out for a half, but in the second half of that game, one of the worst—I mean, as bad a second half as you can have for a defense. Yeah. 
And then you look at Texas, which is just beyond the pale mm-hmm. uh, in terms of poor defensive play, and it's just devastating uh, what happened to uh, Klanderman's defense in, this, in the back half of this season. And obviously some of that's because you're, we're playing with a bit of a patchwork here, uh, especially with the linebackers um, and, and some of the other injuries in the secondary. But even so, it, it's hard to believe that the defense got – so 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 bad in a matter of a couple weeks um it it's the most dramatic collapse i can remember seeing out of a a unit that k-state's had in the middle of the season well let's go ahead and we're, we're kind of already talking about some big picture items so let's go ahead and continue that what do you think's the uh, cause for that you know, it's it's hard to say. Uh, oh, like, I don't think it is. Like I said, I think part of it's just personnel uh, I, I being think that, out. I think that's part of it, yeah. Um, and then my assumption is that it's it looks like the team quit. Bingo. Um, and I don't know what when exactly that happened, but my assumption would be after Oklahoma State after Oklahoma State just because they didn't show up to Iowa State at all no and they were shorthand against Iowa State obviously and we've we've made mentioned that I, I think I had seen something that you know they were like one or two like positive tests away from having to cancel the Iowa State game so I will say this I, I will say that I think it is very apparent that this defense as a whole has there's been some players on this defense that have pretty well quit uh, here in the second half of the season, or well, not even the second half of the season. These last about three or four games, and I would also say that they have been ravished by injuries. So I, I do give them a little bit of a pass on that. But some of the uh, it, it was it was tough to watch on on Saturday. It's been tough to watch the last. Um, well, I'd say it's been pretty much impo- or pretty tough to watch five of the last six halves of football that K State's played. Uh, you know on the defensive side of the ball. So certainly difficult to see because this was a unit, you know, really for when you're looking here through the first, you know, five, six games of the season, you think this defense is, as you mentioned, a really solid unit. You know, you've got really good defensive line play. Secondary play was good. And then injuries kind of piled up. And then I think once we kind of got – out of Big 12 title contention after that loss to Oklahoma State is really when the wheels fell off. Yeah. And it, but even so, it's you start looking towards the beginning of the year, and, I mean, Arkansas State, I still haven't heard a good explanation for that game um, other than, no, I, I can't. I, I, I'm, that game's inexplicable to do a post-mortem on it. Um, Oklahoma, the defense stepped up in the second half, but you know they they weren't lights out. That's I wouldn't give the defense an A that game, although they played pretty well in the second half. Uh, and then they had then they started putting things together: Texas Tech, TCU, Kate, and you know maybe those offenses aren't very good. You know, maybe that maybe that's a pretty good explanation for it, huh? <laughs> you, know? you know, I mean, and and then Oklahoma State. I mean, I think those are the four games where you can really hang your hat on the defense. It made us all think, you know, maybe this defense is 
really good. But but what those four games establish, if they don't establish that the defense is really good, they, they establish that the defense is at least somewhere in the neighborhood of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, holding TCU to 14 points, holding Tech to 21 points, that's not something that you're going to write home about. I, I, you're not going to hang your hat on that for being a great defense. But it... But that alone makes you think, all right, they're okay. Maybe they're not incredible, but they're at least passable. But then against Texas especially is when it just became a total embarrassment. Well, yeah, I mean, gosh, Texas, I'm looking here at, at, at the overall stats of, of the game here. Texas rolls up 608 yards. We roll up 448. No, we'll touch on that in a second. Um, but... Texas could have scored, it seemed like. They, they they show a little bit of mercy in the fourth quarter, uh, only scoring three points. But that third quarter where they scored 35 points, it was pretty tough to watch because at halftime, K-State's right at the game. I mean, well, they're not right at the game. They're down 31-17, to 17, but they're, they're still, you know, within arm's length. And K-State's scoring a little <laughs> bit, but Texas is just scoring right, right away, too. And... Quite frankly, and you just got the sense that K State would not be able to keep up in a shootout. Oh no, no, no! I mean, Texas's touchdown drives in the third quarter: two plays, seventy-five yards; one play, one yard, after an interception; six plays, seventy-five yards; eight plays, eighty-six yards; one play, thirty-two yards. I mean, they're just going right up and down the field. You know, no no touchdown drive lasting longer than three minutes and fourteen seconds. Just a sieve. You, you know, and it, it, it's a terrible way, if that is K-State's last game this season, uh, to kind of end the season on. And, you know, K-State has no momentum going into 2021. And that was what kind of I was hoping to maybe get a get a nice effort out of here. Because it, it became pretty obvious this team was going to compete for the Big 12 title after, after – um, you know the Oklahoma State game that we were we were out of the picture at that point, but I was hoping we could at least salvage something here, kind of down the stretch a little bit to to kind of have some positive vibes going into twenty twenty one. And quite frankly, that is not the case right now. No, we're we're if that is the last game of the twenty twenty season, then so be it. Uh, shut the door on it and move forward and try to get the roster issues figured out. Try to get the program back on something resembling solid footing uh, because right now, especially with some of the the roster turnover, uh, it's it, it feels like K-State football is in kind of a precarious situation right now. It does. It does. Let's get right into that. So, Cliff- Well, let's let's first talk about, you know, K-State's offense did pretty well yeah, I was on Saturday. Say, do you want to you get on yeah, the uh, so far? For a second, I mean, you know, Everybody was so hard on poor Courtney Messingham all season long. Oh, this this offense sucks. It must be the offensive coordinator's fault. Well, you know what? See, 31 points. And now one of that we had a kickoff return or something on Saturday, didn't we? Uh, no it, kickoff it, return. It was... For a touchdown. It was then my mistake. So 31 points by the offense then. Um, yeah. You know, that's... Pretty good, especially because we saw some really lousy quarterback play again on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and so getting creative, finding ways to, to 
move the ball, rack up uh, 400-plus yards against uh, a decent Texas defense. Um, you know, credit to Courtney Messingham for hanging in there and and making a chicken salad this season because uh, he had a uh, rough job, a rough hand to play, uh, especially after Skylar Thompson went down. And how about that Deuce Vaughn run? That's what I was going to get to. I'd say, you know, you, you say he made chicken sa- salad this year. If it wasn't for Deuce Vaughn, where would this offense be? Well, to be fair, when the offense was gone, you know, look mm-hmm. up Deuce, Deuce's stats in the Iowa State game. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it would look like. But, you know, the back half of this season, that was, that was pretty much our one play is – and he and See, that, if, that Deuce Vaughn run that you're talking about was it's the highlight maybe the highlight of the season. Absolutely. I mean, and so uh but in any event, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what this offense looks like when there are like more than two or three players out of the eleven that are Big Twelve caliber players, I think, uh, on the field at once. It, should that happen, depending on recruiting and retention and all that sort of thing. But, uh, so no, overall, I think Messingham did a, a pretty good job this year. Our friend Ian Boyd had a nice ride I was going to say, I, I, you, I mean, you, you kind of got a nice little pat on the back from him earlier this week, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. On an uh, unrelated subject, I guess. Yeah, Ian and I have a nice rapport built. But uh, he did a deep dive on some of the um, interesting wrinkles that Mess has dialed up, especially in the quarterback run game, which was the subject of his article. But... You know, it's we talked about this over the last few weeks. It's like, what do you do? What do you run when you have an offense that has a medium to bad offensive line, horrible quarterback play, and horrible wide receivers? Not a lot you can do. There's not a lot you can do. So that that K-State found any way to move the ball against Big 12 teams this year it, after Thompson went down uh, is is remarkable. And so credit to Messingham. Um, I hope people get off his back now that, uh, you know, if there's, one well, silver, if there's one silver lining about the defense's collapse in the back half of this season, maybe it's that people will stop, uh, will direct their ire at people other than the offensive coordinator who's just – doing the best job he can under the circumstances. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that is the one silver line you can take out of this. But, uh, you know, the blame just the, – the buck gets passed, I guess, here to the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, let, let's um, – is there anything else you want to talk uh, on the Courtney Messingham defense train here? No, that, but if I but if I see any tweets this offseason uh, of people being mean to Coach Messingham, then we're going to – I'm gonna get back on this podcast. I'm gonna. Then you're gonna. I'm gonna hear it. I'm gonna do go on my diatribe again. Well, I think it's well. I think it's well earned. Well, let's um let's kind of get into um kind of the next uh I guess phase of post mortem here as we look back at the end of the regular season here for K State. You know, as I mentioned, we go into 2021 now. If this is the last game K-State plays, there, there's certainly the, the possibility that K-State uh, finds their way to a bowl game, and we'll just kind of have to wait and see how that looks. I mean, I know I saw today Boston College 
uh, who didn't really have COVID issues throughout the season, they opted out of go. They took themselves out of postseason consideration, saying we're done playing for the season. I happen to think that's probably going to be a a pretty. Um, I think that might be a common theme here as we as we get into uh, into kind of the end of the season where bowls get selected. I mean, who knows how many of these bowl games are end up getting played? And then also too, if you do get selected to go to a bowl game. You know, who knows? The game might get canceled because due to due to COVID things in the lead up to that game. So who knows what what can happen uh, here the rest of the way out uh, for sure. But if this is K State's last game of twenty twenty one or twenty twenty as we head into twenty twenty one, the program comes in on on really kind of uh, shaky ground. Uh, I think that's easy to say, and it leads me to my question to you, uh, D. Lou. Is Year two of Chris Kleiman's, uh, the Chris Kleiman regime here. It, it's hard to necessarily think that. I don't think you can draw any real conclusions based upon you know this whole year, but you have to have a little bit of doubt that with when you see the roster turnover and kind of just what the overall state of the program is to feel very good about it. So going into year three, what do you need to see from Chris Kleiman to get? Uh, that confidence back that you might have had going into this year uh, that Chris Kleiman is the right man for the job? Well, I think first and foremost, we need to recognize that we're now entering in the midst of a crisis with the roster. I mean, I think that... And I don't know that this is something necessarily unique to K-State or Chris Kleiman. And in fact, I think this is probably something a lot of programs are experiencing right now just because of the nature of the pandemic and its effect on college football, especially with the free transfer rule. Um, But I think first and foremost, we need to get the roster in an okay spot uh, and just get numbers and positions and class spread and all that sort of stuff that indicates a healthy roster. it's that that I'm looking for now because that is something that extends past one year, one season, uh, and can really poison a program for years. And we have a great case study of that uh, in Lawrence over the last decade where if the roster gets out of whack, uh, it just screws you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it'll be important for, uh, for Kleiman um, – moving forward to get the retention matter figured out and we cannot afford to be leaking oil like we are and if that means we need to hit the transfer market to bring in guys for a place to keep classes similar sized yeah. yeah uh then that's what we have to do and but, that's what and that's what is going to have to happen i mean there's no question about that well and so but it's it's going to be how he solves that issue that i think I'm going to be watching closely, and I think K-State fans ought to be watching closely because, I mean, I think at this point, Kleinman has shown me enough that I'm comfortable with his game day management. I'm comfortable with... Uh, I, I don't think there's any crisis on the coaching staff necessarily. There's gripes at individual spots, but we can figure that out. Um but, but really, moving forward, priority number one is solving the roster and patching that hole um, because it's, it's those sort of things that can hurt us long-term, maybe even beyond 
uh, Clyman's tenure here if things continue to go south. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, win some games. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to win some games now. I mean, I, I think going into year three, I mean, who knows what, you know, and I don't want to even get into speculating what necessarily has to happen in year three for him to, you know, stable the ship, so Well, to I'll, I'll tell you what, and I'll, maybe this is a way to answer your question more directly. It, what happened these last four games can't happen all season next year. Well, I don't think it can happen during a four-game stretch next season. I think it can. If he, I, I don't think he's necessarily on the hot seat. I mean, oh, I, I, and I'm not saying that, but I, I don't really. Okay, go. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you I, but I'm, my point is, is that if, if the product we saw on the field these last four games extends throughout next year, and I don't care whether that's because it's bad quarterback play or we have a lot of injuries or whatever, twelve games of what we just saw over the last month ain't gonna cut it. And if that's what we see. For 12 games next year, then I think I don't know if Kleiman's around for 2022. But anything short of that, and assuming he's getting the roster figured out and everything and everything like that, I'm not saying he has to go to a bowl game next year. I'm saying that he's got to. We've got to be better than what we saw. Well, and okay, I think that's that's a fair take. I'm a little bit more tough on that because I think I need to see something a little bit more concrete next year because I I'm not quite sold that. Kleiman will be able to get the roster turned around and in in a decent place. Now, granted, time will tell on that. So we'll have the benefit of, of that. We don't have to make a decision right now because he's obviously not going to get fired after this year, of course. no, There's no question about that. However, I think there is a little bit of pressure for him next year in terms of – I'm not saying he has to go to a bowl game necessarily, but I've got to see something out of him because, quite frankly, I have my, my doubts that this is going to work out. Well, but I think you have to keep in mind the context here because we don't really know what the team's going to look like next year yet. I mean, if if we're going out and throwing what would be a freshman, in air quotes, Will Howard out there again with some new faces on the offensive line, if the receivers are still in a rough spot, because we can't go hit the Juco market hard. Ideally, yeah. ideally we have a, a strong and full Juco class where we can go out and fix these gaps. We go get a Juco linebacker. We go get a Juco wide receiver, um, Juco defensive bat. And we, and we patch some of these really apparent spots on the roster that are going to be deficient next year. And we move along and we go win six or seven games and we say, okay, let's make something happen in 2022. But under the circumstances, I, I think it would be a mistake to draw too many conclusions about next year and pretend like this has been a normal three-year tenure for a head coach because it hasn't. Sure. And so so next year, I think it's – there's. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a bit of a hangover just in terms of college football just because it's going to – we're entering a brave new world with this new transfer market and no JUCO ball this year. And so I'm not putting a ton of stock into next year anyway. Uh, and part of that's also because it's 2022, the year that I think K-State could be a pretty salty team, um, especially because some of these new faces on the offensive line will have some time to season. And I think the offensive line should be ready by 2022. Um, but and there's just a lot of holes in the roster for next year that I don't think that I think climate is partially responsible for, but I also think it's, 
he's also kind of playing with one hand tied behind his back because the roster wasn't in ideal shape when he took it over. And when you have a year uh, that has a lot of turnover, which has been across the board in college football, and you add into that no Juco ball this year, then I think it's kind of hard to do a total rebound in one year, especially in the year 2021. Well, no, that that's a, that's a fair point. Um, I think it, it comes down to this: is if you think that Kleiman's the man for the job, then you probably are okay with giving him a pass for this year and probably for next year too. If you didn't think that he might be the guy for the job, then you're looking at next year to see something that changes your mind, and that's kind of where I'm at with yeah. this whole situation. I I think Kleiman has been his tenure so far has been mostly neutral, maybe on the side of more positive than neutral so far, only because last year was better than we expected. This year, honestly, about what we expected. Um, and then you factor in Thompson's injury, which you can't really plan for. Then it's yeah. like, eh, you know, you also can't really plan for just how bad the the quarterback depth was behind Thompson after that injury. And so I th- I know these last the second half of the season leaves a really horrible taste in our mouths, but you know in this alternate universe where Thompson doesn't go down, then maybe we're sitting at I don't know six wins or something like that. Maybe, maybe, and probably and win that Oklahoma State game. Probably win the Baylor game. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe there's not a collapse. Maybe the team doesn't quit. Yeah, maybe. Um, but say. but I think a lot of our anger right now is due to the fact that we just had a really bad quarterback for 60-70% of our games this year. And then you factor in the turnover. I mean, I, I get the frustration, and, and I'm there with you. And especially because what's great, what grates on me is when Kleiman goes out there and says, you know, not this isn't verbatim, but it's along the lines of, we just have to establish our culture. And some people can't handle this program, and we're weeding out. And it's like, man, you've had two years now. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's my biggest thing, too, is because if you're going to establish a culture, now, I gr- granted, this year is, you know, throw it out, whatever you want to say about it, but it, it's a little frustrating that, I mean, because honestly, here's, here's my, this is my biggest concern. We talked about, you, you mentioned that the roster wasn't in a great place when he took over. I, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you on that point. But now going into year three, I think the roster's in a worse place than when he took it over. Because mm. when, when I look at, at, at talent-wise, I mean, who knows what, what happens at quarterback. I mean, I think Skylar Thompson probably comes back from indications that you, you've read and, and just kind of what maybe some of the chatters around that. that he that And he our pro- inside sources. Yeah, our, we're, we're very connected. You know, that, that, uh, that, he, that he may be coming back, that, that will help. But, I mean, gosh, when you look at the talent at the skill position, does Malik, trans, does Malik Knowles transfer out? Does, you know, what other attrition is this roster going to face here between now and the start of 2021? Yeah. I just don't know really where you can – I mean, we're going to lose Wyatt Hubert on defense. Uh, A.J. Parker – Easily could be gone too as well. Um, gone. You know, you think that 
I, I just look at this this roster from a from a overall perspective, and I just don't really see a whole lot to be positive going into next season. Yeah, but also, I mean, he's had two recruiting classes, mm-hmm. and, and half of them have left. Seems right. Like, yeah, you know? but this is crazy. I'm just saying that don't phone it in too early here because I I think there's been some good spots. We do have young guys seeing significant playing time. Sure. I mean, sure. Was it Carver Willis was getting uh, time yeah. at left tackle towards the end of the season? He's a true freshman. Uh, see, TJ I, I, Smith got significant playing time this year, and the defense got significantly worse within during his absence. Another true freshman. I mean, I think it's asking a lot for a head coach to get in here near two and say, "Well, why aren't your guys performing yet when they have been and they've been injured?" I mean. K-State was starting a true freshman at quarterback this season, a true freshman at running back. You you look up and down this this roster and, and you think, well, really the brightest spots are the are the freshmen. Um, and so give it a little time and recognize that there was no JUCO ball this year, so we can't go do the quick patch stuff that you know K-State has relied on for the last 30 years. And so recognize that this is a kind of an odd situation. We don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater and uh, abandon something that that I still have faith in, but I'm a, not quite as much as before. And yeah. the biggest the biggest concern is is the the attrition, and you know that 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 falls on climbing. And yeah, it's, and that and I think he's left holding the bag on that. Yeah, and it's the buck stops with him as we say in Missouri, and, uh, you know, whether it's recruiting guys that aren't quote-unquote good fits, whether you can't manage the personalities, Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever the reason is, he's the, like you said, the one left holding the bag, and so he needs to figure that out and make sure we have 85 guys who can get ready to go and, you know, are worthy of scholarship and keep those scholarships, Um, but under the circumstances, kind of an odd year. Odd year, no, no question about it. Uh, I think next year's important. I mean, for, for a number of reasons. Now, I, I don't know what the state of of college football is going to look like in 2021. You hope it's back to normal. You hope that they get a full spring practice and there is that sense of normalcy. Maybe And maybe that just having a sense of normalcy. How do you pronounce that word? Normalcy. <laughs> normalcy. That's how I've always said it. Okay. You know, tomato, tomato. Normalcy, <laughs> normalcy. Yeah. You said, what did you say the other week? Uh, you said hibatus instead uh, of hiatus. Yeah, hibatus. That's not that's not a term I'm familiar with. But no, well, I know one listener out there will understand that reference. Okay. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, some things just fly over my head. Yeah. Also, uh, th- th- we'll add this uh, to the list here of, of things maybe I'm not quite up to speed on. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, it, it, I think it comes down to, <clears throat> excuse me, that if you had questions about climate coming into this, you're kind of having more questions about this going forward. And if you felt that he was on good footing after after year one, which you had to have. I mean, everyone was pretty pleased with how things were going. This gives you at least a little bit of a trigger point to say, eh, you know, maybe my original fears were somewhat warranted here. And I think that's kind of where I'm at. Um, 
I, I'm going to have to wait and see what happens next year because what I saw from this year in terms of the roster turnover and then really kind of quitting the last three games of the season gives me a lot of concern. Yeah, no, so it, I, I think no doubt. That, I think that's where, where I'm really at. I think it comes down to whether you view it as Kleiman's a victim of the 2020 circumstances or whether he played some role in exacerbating or, or not doing enough to remedy uh, kind of these outside forces that are uh, plaguing the football team, whether it's bad attitudes, whether it's just uh, yes, COVID, whether it's injuries, whether it's a combination of all those things. Um, and for right now, I'm erring on the side of it's it's bad luck. Um, but eventually, you only get so much leash, and he needs to uh, to first and foremost fix the retention issues and go out and start uh, getting talent to fill some of these holes. Well, that's going to be a big um, <laughs> that's going to be the biggest thing that we see over over these next. You know, several months is what happens in terms of closing out the recruiting, uh, closing out um, you know transfers, getting you know the portal. I know has over a, over a thousand players in it right now. I know you know a lot of these guys that are transferring that left these Power Five programs that think they're going to be able to land at you know some place of, of equal or maybe better better places. I think they're going to be sorely mistaken. I think programs like. Tarleton State, looking their chops right now. Yeah, I think they may be. I think that it's going to be a, a wild... Uh, I think it's going to be a wake-up call for a lot of these guys to learn that maybe the grass isn't greener. But on the other hand, you know what? If you're unhappy, you want to go throw your your hat in the ring anywhere yeah. else, then, then be, be our guest. But I, I think that there's going to be some players that thought that they might be able to go someplace and, and find a nice landing spot that, that might not be able to do that. And hopefully K-State's able to be in that landing spot for some because, quite frankly, you know, we're in dire straits of, of needing that right now. That's a nice little shout-out to the, the music here. That, that uh, That's right. You know, here at the, at the start of the podcast here. But, uh, yeah, not, not a great uh, close to the season here for K-State. Let's, uh, let's kind of wrap it up here for kind of the post-mortem here of, of the regular season. Well, we've kind of dwelled on some negative here uh, throughout the first part of the podcast. There has been some positive. Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you can't help but be very, 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 very excited about what his future may hold uh, for K-State. You know, he is, quite frankly, in in what I've seen from K-State, or what I've seen from Big 12, players in terms of, of difference makers as a true freshman. He's right up there at the top uh, here here for the last several years. I mean, this is a guy that was really a, a, a playmaker from the on the offensive side of the ball from, from week one. And, you know, he ends up this season being K-State's MVP on offense. I don't think there's any question about it. But when you look at what he did all season, uh, really serving as K-State's most reliable and explosive weapon. I mean, granted, uh, when you look at look at his overall stats this season, did it both uh, receiving and did it uh, rushing, of course. Um, gosh, I mean, I think that this is a guy that K-State fans, quite frankly, have to have, it, you know, when, when you do go into 2021 and beyond in terms of seeing, you know, what positives and what, what you can kind of hang your hat on. 
I think Deuce Vaughn is that hook where you say, this is a guy that, you know, we're going to have here for the next three or four years and is going to be uh, is going to be one of the best playmakers in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember a freshman who – a freshman running back I was more excited about. Scratch that. I can't remember a freshman for K-State football that I was more excited about than – It's almost – this is the guy, the comparison I have, and it's – I think kind of similar because they're two kind of similar type programs. It's kind of similar to Rondell Moore at uh, Purdue, a guy that, uh, you know, after his true freshman season, you know, Purdue fans and college football fans alike said, man, this guy is a baller. This guy. This guy is a baller. Yeah. And Deuce Vaughn is a baller. There's no question about it. Well, I think he He kind of established himself as a baller like – Week two. Immediately. Like, yeah. immediately. It was like, oh, yeah. like. But he had a nice – I mean, he had plays against Arkansas State that oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, no, I think he solidified himself. I think he's a lock for the – for we were talking about Ian Boyd earlier. I think he's a lock for the 2020 Darren Sproles Waterbug Trophy for the most outstanding tiny person. Not uh, a good question. Which, the Sandblaster. Yeah. No, I, I I can't remember freshman – I mean, I remember when Darren Sproles, obviously the comparison a lot of people make – uh, I remember when he and was I, a freshman. And I hate that comparison because it, you're comparing him to the best. Uh, I'd say probably the top, a top three player in K State history, no question. Yeah, and you're and you're comparing, and that's that's high praise to live up to. But in terms of comparisons, that that's that's really it. I mean, right? I mean, they're both small. I mean, the, the difference is he, Darren. He, Darren was stronger. Mm-hmm. But also Deuce is just a freshman. But you, but you look at Darren's workload, looking back, in terms of sheer number of carries he had, and it's like, wow, that's impressive because he had a lot of carries. And whereas Deuce felt like most of the season he's on a pitch count, understandably. But well, and, and, and but and keep in mind, but Deuce probably had more carries than Sproles did as a freshman. Sure, sure. And but, the, the kind of way when I look at that comparison where I say, oh, okay, this comparison really makes sense, is more of Darren Sproles as a professional, mm-hmm. of how they use him in the passing game and the running game. Uh, I think that's a very apt comparison. I mean, in terms of Darren Sproles, the college running back, I don't know if it's quite the same comparison, but in terms of what he was at the next level as a pass catcher but, out of the backfield. But also, I mean, Deuce had a better season. This year than Darren had as a freshman. Well, it's a different. It's a it's, different. It's type apples of and oranges. Yeah. But yeah. it's but but it's it's not crazy to compare the two freshman seasons at all. Other than Darren's work, Darren didn't have as many carries as number thirty-two. Now, granted, that was two thousand uh, two thousand one. Or no, take that back. Two thousand. It was two thousand one. Yeah, two thousand one. It was. Um, yeah. And I think Scobie was still. He was still in the mix, yeah. And so, he was well, Cal. Yeah, and so it's, you know, if a guy like, uh, uh, why am I blank, Alex, uh, who was that good running back we had? Alex Barnes? Yeah, Alex Barnes. you're going with? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if he was, if a guy like him was still on the team, he'd get oh, probably the, the vast lunch, majority the of the carries. Uh, whereas this year it was like Deuce or uh, Trotter or... Um, that's it. Will Howard, you know, run the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's about it. I mean, yeah. and so it's different situations, but in terms of sheer talent, no, I think it's an, an apt comparison until further notice, just because Deuce is that good. He is. And he so, is. so that's it. That is a positive. Yeah. Uh, and I want to point out another positive. 
you know, there were all sorts of questions about the offensive line coming into this year, and, and it was, can the line be adequate enough to make this offense work? And there were some growing pains early. There were, there were some growing pains early, and I don't think they ever became what I would call a good offensive line. But towards the end of the season, certainly not the even the second position group, the second group on offense that I was most concerned about. That would be quarterback and wide receiver. Yeah. And so uh, I think towards the end of the season, I think it was the offensive line was fine, which under the circumstances, eh, credit to Coach well, Riley. Especially that Baylor game where they had a completely reshuffled offensive yeah. line. I mean, that might have been K-State's best running game of the season. And uh, yeah, yeah, hats off there. I have a. Is there anything else you want to talk no, about? No, but but I just think it's important to keep in mind that towards the end of that season, the, you had guys. I mentioned Carver Willis, Cooper Beebe got a ton of work this year. Yeah, and so encouraging. I, I think moving forward, uh, especially in twenty twenty two, when I think that all these young guys will be ready to to take yep, ownership. Upperclassmen. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the year where K State has an offensive line that. The offense Messingham envisions, the one he really wants to run, will be in a position where a get power might finally start working. Mm-hmm. I've got another kind of positive. It's a stretch, so be kind, okay? Don't say quarterback. I'm going to say quarterback because here's why. You at least get a guy with Will Howard, get him some time. Right, and it, it starts the evaluation process on him, maybe a bit unfairly. Fair enough. That you say, okay, you know, this is what this in in a perfect world that I'm looking at this very positively. Okay, which is kind of a rarity for me sometimes, but I'm looking at this very positively and saying, you know what, he started pretty much an entire half of the season, over half the season. Yeah, and you know. In basketball, it's always said this, you know, and it also I think it's true in football. But the biggest step you see from a player is from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Now, granted, he'll still be a freshman due to the getting everyone gets yeah. a free year, so you at least get him a full year of playing, pretty much, which was not in the cards originally, but do the hand that we were dealt. That's what we got. Um, now, granted, Jake Rubley's coming in this uh, this uh, the spring. Skylar Thompson potentially back. It at least starts the it at least starts the, it moves his clock up earlier. I guess is the best way to yeah. say it. Now, granted, there was not a lot of positive. I mean, I think the negatives far outweigh the positives for what we saw from Will Howard. But as a true freshman. Gosh, I don't know what else you'd really expect. So yeah. I, I, I'm saying that under under fair point, uh, it's a silver lining, so to speak, if anything. But uh, in terms of trying to draw some positivity out of that, but you know, there were some things that you saw from him that you know there were some. I, I, I mean, I think his best trait so far this in his time here as K State quarterback has been running the ball. Absolutely, and that was kind of nice to see. Yeah, and you know what? If nothing else, a season like the one Howard had is. For a team that I think is missing leaders, um, I think 
I this him, experience. I, and I give him credit, too, because he, he was kind of getting beat up, and he wasn't playing well. And, but he kept kind of coming back out there and, and answering. It couldn't have been fun. It, it, it was not, he was not put into an easy position. No. And, and I'm looking, and I give him credit for continuing to, to come out there and battle. And, you know, assuming Thompson comes back next year and, by the grace of God, plays in 12 games, um, and it, then it becomes a Howard Rubley showdown in 22. Uh, I, I do think it'll be nice for Howard to have to have that confidence that you know I've played in Big 12 games before. I didn't yep. I didn't play particularly well, sure, but but I have been there and I know what it feels like and I know how fast the game is and I think you know that'll be his sophomore year mm-hmm. um, or potentially retro freshman year, which is mm-hmm. just insane. Sure. Um, that he'll be able, he'll be kind of a lightning rod for for what will be a different offense by that point, uh, for guys to look to, and especially younger guys, and and just having him be able to have said, you know, I've played half a season in the Big Twelve. I think that 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 experience uh, should be able to give him some confidence and uh, kind of give him some clout to be a leader uh, come twenty two, and, and that's something that not a lot of you know, redshirt freshman or true sophomore uh, quarterbacks can really say. Yeah, I think that's and that's kind of where where I'm at with that too. Um, the so, book is far, far, far from written. And that's and that's the thing too. I I don't want to cl- like people you know can say oh god he was. You can look at his season, look at his numbers, say oh god he's uh, he terrible. sucks. But keep in mind. He's a bad offense. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and I don't think that. I mean, look at his numbers. It's about what you'd expect from a true freshman quarterback getting thrown in. Yeah, I mean, if he puts up, if he goes out and plays uh, poorly in a blowout against, uh, you know, uh, some out of conference team, Tarleton State. Um, and Tarleton just, State get a nice little, <laughs> nice, get a nice little shout out here on the short side. But, but if he goes out and has a stinker and and plays basically like he did all season, then K State fans are saying, eh, whatever, he's a freshman. But it's that he was put in a position where he had to be exposed to that, and as fans, we had to be exposed to that all season in meaningful games. That it's easy to get a sour taste in your mouth and write him off. Mm-hmm. But mind you, he's got potentially five years left in this program. So be careful about riding him off too early because there's a reason true freshman quarterbacks aren't really a thing. Mm-hmm. And we saw uh, we unless saw why. Unless you're Trevor Lawrence or, you know. Yeah, unless you're like some Spencer Adler, extreme yeah. outlier. Yeah. But and he's not that. I mean, what, no, he he's was, not. And, yeah. he, and he flat out wasn't ready this year. And maybe it would have been better if we, if we said, no, Howard's not ready. We don't want to poison him let's put uh nick ost yeah. nick ost is the backup and he's our starting quarterback from now on and then we would all hate nick ost because he wouldn't be and then, an and, adequate and, quarterback and you wouldn't have any idea of if will howard what what he brings to the table right so. and so a, a rough deal for him i mean again you can chalk it up to being a victim of circumstance being put in too early but uh in any event a, a rough situation for him a, a bit unfair but the book is far from it, and I think you know finding that silver lining is uh, is a good job by you. No, thank, thank you, Dell. I, I I appreciate that. So, what's is there anything else you want to touch on the offensive side of the ball? No. 
The one other thing I I we, I don't want to spend much time on this, but Malik Knowles had a nice game on Saturday. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, and you know what? Not a bad game against Baylor either. You know, hopefully they're there. I mean, obviously there had been some talk about him exploring the transfer portal as well. Hope he stays. Hope he stays. Hope he stays and can be and kind of step up and and be another guy that this offense kind of can rely rallies on. on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, rallies around because that's a guy that in next year and in twenty two, uh, you know, it'd be nice if if the K State offense could point to him and say, "Man, Malik Knowles is a leader on this team, and we all want to." Be more like Malik Knowles. Well, so, if, let's hope so. If if he defects, um, that that would be a huge loss for K State. And so hopefully, uh, he's part of the uh, the solution here and uh, can help K State moving forward. Let's uh, switch sides of the ball here because receivers next year. By the way, I mean we have Chad and Malik Knowles coming back next year, right? Yeah. So. On its face, like it, it's not—that's not exactly inspiring. It's not inspiring, but Taylor took a big step this year. Yeah. And yeah. if Malik Knowles can play, like I mean, it's easy to forget, but in 2019, Malik Knowles was like our best player. Yeah, it's when like he it, went out, yeah. it was like the offense can't do anything. Yeah. And so if if those two guys can turn it on at the same time, then all of a sudden our receiving court looks not like the worst in the Big Twelve. Yeah. It's still like. And with Skylar Thompson back there throwing the ball? You're getting a little, you're getting a little out there for me. Here. But I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I think I could talk you into 10 wins. Yeah. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I've been talked into 10 wins with a whole lot less, I guess, there, Dell. So uh, let, let's move to the defense side of the ball here. Um, I don't think there's any question who the best player on this defense was this year. I'm going to go with Wyatt Hubert there. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's probably played his last game at K-State, at least regular season game. Uh, of course, the bowl game is still out there. Um, but I think there's been some other things that you could point to uh, defensively that you can get some bright spots out of. Um, Cleve Duke had, had a nice little, uh, you know, kind of game. I, 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 I wouldn't say it, it was. It Fourth was, quarter. Yeah, well, there was that game against. But he, he, was, he, he got some reps this season in his kind of first meaningful playing time. But there are some other guys, too, that caught my eye. Echo Boydu. Yeah. I thought he um, really pressed into action. I mean, a guy that K-State fans, I think when we, we, we looked at this defense prior to the Arkansas State game, saying, hey, here's what you can expect from K-State defensively and in the defensive secondary. Echo Boydu, though, was not, was not mentioned in that. Press into action. I thought he acquitted himself as, yeah. as a Big Twelve quality cornerback. Mm-hmm. So that was nice to find. Yeah, um, Justin Gardner. Justin Gardner uh, also really played well this season. T.J. Smith saw some action. A little bit of action. Bronson Massey had himself probably his best year at Absolutely. State, and hope to have him back in the fold next year. Uh, because you know, quite frankly, if you're if you're Bronson Massey, you're saying, well, with um, with Hubert going to the NFL, most likely, I've got you know more than an inside track at a starting position. Just getting to see a lot of snaps. Um, I think there there's that kind of um, that kind of experience that he's built is because um, he had been a guy that had been in the program, maybe just hadn't quite gotten a shot yet, but this year performed well and you know hopefully sets himself up for a big 2021. 
That's right. Jalen Piccolo, I think, uh, also took a nice little step this year uh, at the D-tackle position. Um, that's a guy who was a sophomore this year and will technically be a sophomore next year, too. Um, and so and then, I, I thought, good experience for him. I think he was played by injuries uh, in the second half. But yeah. uh, had some had some pretty nice plays throughout. The one thing that I do have some concerns about is linebackers. Yeah. That's a big concern. Yeah. Because when, uh, you know, Justin Hughes didn't blow me away this year. But I think we saw, especially in the second half of the season, once he and once both our linebackers went out, yeah. um, really since the Iowa State game, uh, we saw why Justin Hughes was, was kept playing. into action. And that's because Daniel Green, not quite ready. And then Cody Flesher, uh, also not quite ready, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, linebackers are the main concern on defense moving forward. And I think that's a spot that, that K-State needs to emphasize on the transfer market. Yeah, and you know... I mean, in a different year, this is a year where going to the JUCO ranks to get one or two linebackers is an absolute must. And that's why it's... That's one reason it's killer that uh, JUCO ball is essentially not an option uh, to go find someone like that this year. Well, yeah, no no question about it. That'll be interesting to see. And then also with, with Hughes and Sullivan, do they come back for their 20th year here at K-State. Uh, if Sullivan came back, that would be huge. I haven't heard anything on him one way or the other. I would, I'm would. i not expecting him to come back. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, who knows? I think it's it's a uh, it's a toss-up. We'll see what happens, but it, it's something we'll keep our eye on. Defensively, it, it, you know, when we go through kind of the, um, the positives we can glean out of this, these last few games – leave a sour taste in our mouth, you know, of course, as we mentioned. And that's going to be a, a side of the ball that K-State's going to have to find some find some, uh, find some, some players to fill in and, uh, you know, perform a whole lot better than they did down the stretch here uh, in 2020. Yeah, I'll be fascinated to see it. I, I, I really think uh, I, I, K-State has no choice but to be active on the transfer market to, to fill in some gaps on defense, especially – the linebacker spot, and I'll be I'll be interested to see how they uh, go about attacking that. Well, um, the short side option names Deuce Vaughn, offensive player of the year MVP. Yeah, and Wyatt Hubert, defensive MVP. Yeah. So those are prestigious honors. Yeah. You know to to be to be bestowed upon, and you know quite frankly, it was an easy selection for us. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I, I hope that I hope that they. Yeah, I know they listen, and I and I want them to uh, to well take and, great pride in in, in the honor of, and, of being named short side options offensive and defensive MVPs. And well, and if we're thinking about MVP as most valuable, I think uh, by omission, Skylar Thompson established himself as maybe not, yeah, we'll, we'll give him maybe like an honorable mention yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, gotta I mean, play more in, in terms of wins over. Wins above replacement, I think. Uh, Are you talking analytics, man? Hey, man, I, I live for that stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I, I love crunching numbers, man. Well, hey, you know, you, you do, I, I still, I, I got to rely on the film. I got to go go yeah. what the eyes tell me, you know. Sure. But uh, no no question about it. Hopefully, Skylar is back in the fold. Well, let's, um, let's take a quick break, and then uh, we'll come back 
with a little bit of uh, you know we, we we skipped it last month or last uh, episode here on the short side option, but a wildcat legend. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little hoops. You know, basketball season is in swing, baby. I haven't been paying attention. How how do we look this year? Well, you're about to find out here after a short break. This is the short side option. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, where after a little bit of a hiatus on this segment, we're getting back into it. We are. And you already know what it is. It's a segment we call This Week's Wildcat Legend. <clears throat> oh, can, I, can I say one thing real quick before you get too far into this? Sure. Another Wildcat legend hung it up this, uh, this season. Voice of... The, the PA voice, so to speak. Talk about Uncle Dave. Uncle Dave. Yeah. He did a great job. He's he's an excellent announcer. You know... K-State's been really lucky to have some great announcers. PA yeah, announcers well, over the time. Yeah, and and Dave Lewis did a great job. That's a... What a fun job to have, too. Because you could really kind of put your own... You can put your own imprint on it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so it'll be interesting to see... Uh, first of all, Dave Lewis, excellent job. We're all very proud of you and thankful for the, the service and your time uh, you, you gave to K-State Athletics because it's a voice that rings in uh, K-State fans' head. Uh, I am associate him with, like, for some reason I associate him more with basketball. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, maybe that's just because he called. He had some great basketball calls. Mm-hmm. Jacob Pullen. Um, <laughs> you don't know what I'm thinking of. What? Michael B. Where, yeah. where uh, Mike DeArmond literally goes and he, he has him in a bag there. He can't ha- Mike DeArmond cannot handle Dave Lewis yeah. calling Michael. Because I, we blew out Mizzou by like 50 points. And if, if you don't, I'll, I'll link it here because I'm sure I can find it on YouTube of, uh, of that. But anyway, Dave Lewis has done a great job. Rodney Magruder was another great call that he had yeah. there too. Um, oh, Freddie Espria. Freddie Espria, also uh, the big Fred uh, down there in the post in the pivot, uh, getting buckets for K State. Uh, but no, yeah, absolutely. Dave Lewis did a great job, and and you know we are thankful to have had him and his service here for K State. No, that's a good job by you, Icon. That was a, t- a good tribute. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but th- Mr. Icon, this week's Wildcat legend. We're gonna do our thing where I start. You start kind of going through them. All right, you know the the hits. I'll tell you. He's from uh, he's from West Haven, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he was considered the number sixteen overall prospect in New England by Super Prep. All right. Okay. He earned all area and all state honors at defensive end in two thousand three when he totaled seventy two tackles, including twelve sacks, and he won a state championship in two thousand two. All right? Okay. Now let me tell you a little bit about uh, his college career. He attended Fort Scott Community College, which is, of course, located in Fort Scott, Kansas. You know, being from Scott City, Kansas, I often it, it often gets confused. It's like, oh, you're, you're from Scott City. Is that where Fort Scott uh, Junior College is? And I'd say no. Other end of the state of Nico. Yeah. But continue. Do you have any guesses? I need one more. I need one more. It, 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 I've got it narrowed down to about four players. Okay, let me, um, let's see. In his, uh, he led the Kansas Jayhawk Community College Conference in sacks during 2000, in 2004 with nine. 
Okay, I got it. Who? Are you talking about Rob Jackson? Yeah, I am. <laughs> you know, we were kind of talking about Wyatt Hubert earlier. He was the defensive player of the year yeah. for Kansas State, according to the Short Side Option podcast. So I thought, why not go with another uh, great defensive end for K-State? Rob Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. And Rob Jackson was real good. Like I said, attended Fort Scott Community College, had 35 tackles, 28 solo his first year there, including nine for losses, of which six were sacks. And that's only in eight games, so that's pretty good. Uh, he also caught four receptions for 90 yards as a tight end. Uh, Versatile. Yeah, multiple. Uh, so he was a two-time first-team All-Jayhawk Conference defensive selection. Then he went on to play collegiate football at Kansas State University for uh, for Ron Prince. Yeah. Uh, there in 2006, he started 12 of 13 games and earned all, honorable mention All Big 12. Pretty good. After making 36 tackles, eight and a half uh, were for loss. He had four and a half sacks. Also, two pass breakups and a forced fumble. Uh, and then in 2007, he again started 11 games and ended the season with 25 tackles, four and a half of which for losses, and had two sacks and one pass broken up. Um, Rob Jackson, flat out, really good player. Yeah, no question. And not the prototypical, like, you think of, I don't know. I mean, I guess he he had kind of the, the size for it too, but I don't know. I think of defensive ends being pretty pretty stretched out guys, but and he was pretty tall. I mean, he's 6'4", uh, 259. Yeah, good good player. And he had, good frame. He, and he had uh, some success in the NFL, playing for the Washington Redskins. Yeah, he uh, played professional football in Washington, D.C. Uh, had pretty impressive career there. Uh, was getting paid to play football up uh, through 2014. So a nice uh, little, what, about a five, six-year career in the NFL? Amigo, that is us. Uh, that's seven years. Seven years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, I didn't know when he when he got into the mix there, but uh, Rob Jackson, a seventh round pick, so he had kind of long odds to get uh, to where he did as a as a pro, but and converted uh, to a linebacker oh, in the league. Maybe one of those three four type <clears throat> schemes yep. that stand up linebacker. Yeah, very good. But Rob Jackson, flat out. Really good football player for K State. You know, he was a nice. Him and Ian Campbell were a nice pass rushing duo. Yeah, they were. I mean, gosh, you look back at some of those Prince teams, you're like, how, how weren't we better? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> really good individual talent yeah. at, at some places, and you know, a really good coaching staff too uh, for a year. Yeah, and then things went south in a hurry. Yep. But uh, anyway, it's just he was just a really good football player uh, for K. There's there's not a whole lot more to say. Uh, other than Rob Jackson, really good at football. Uh, and that's why, of course, uh, Rob Jackson is uh, the short side options uh, Wildcat legend for this week. Well, Dilu, nice to have you back on the Wildcat legend uh, on that train here as we as we make our way on the short side option. Yeah. Uh, we tease a little bit about basketball. Right. You were going to tell me how we're doing so far this year. Because well, you know me, I'm I'm a football guy. I, I just don't pay too much attention to to round ball, as I call it. Yeah. Well, um, on the hardwood, mixed results so far for K State. Uh, to say to say it politely, um, you may have heard possibly that K State uh, dropped one uh, to a game Fort Hayes State team. Uh, just uh, this just this past uh, I believe Tuesday it was. Well, uh, is Fort Hayes State good this year? They're a scrappy bunch. I, I'd say to to say it's uh, 
Yeah, I was, they're a scrappy bunch, is what I'll say. Uh, but K State loses to uh, Division Two, Fort Hayes State at home uh, by thirteen in a game that, quite frankly, K State was outplayed the entirety of that game. It was and it, the thing that is most troubling about that. And I, I, I talked with my dad. And I talked with uh, you know some other folks. Is if we played Fort Hayes State ten times. I don't think we'd win half of them. You think Fort Hayes State is the better team? Yeah, I'm kind of, kind of saying that, I guess, huh? <laughs> I think maybe you are. Yeah. So it didn't. Uh, it, you know, this it's a young team that K State has, and quite frankly, it's not a very good team that K State's putting out there right now. And you know, K State's got one win so far, a four point uh, victory over Kansas City. Known colloquially by locals as UMKC. Is the ruse. The ruse. Um, yeah, K-State football, or K-State basketball is not in a good, not in good shape right now. I think that would be an understatement. Is the sun setting on Bruce? Well, you Yeah, know, he's in trouble. I think he needs to probably win some games here in short order. I don't think he's going to get fired after this season. I think he might. He might. You'll because quite frankly, if you put a gun to my head and say, "Is K State going to win a conference game this year?" I would have to. Uh, I'd want to make sure that all affairs are in order. Uh, <laughs> things uh, that things are all taken care of. Because quite frankly, I don't think it looks quite promising at this point. Because the Big Twelve is going to be a very good league this year, as it is every year. You've got four teams so far that have really established, eh, four, I'd even say maybe five possibly, that have really established themselves as as very good teams. Uh, West Virginia, Baylor, Baylor. Kansas, um, Texas, and, and Texas Tech uh, are, all, are all good teams. Then you have kind of the middle class, Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's very talented uh, TCU it isn't terrible. It, it, I don't quite. I think the two worst teams probably are Iowa State and K State. And I don't know if Iowa State would be dropping games to Fort Hayes quite yet. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about where where K State basketball finds themselves here in the early season. Hmm. Well, <laughs> could be a long winter. It, it could be. It could be. Now, what's the problem? Why do we stink? Well. I think that, quite frankly, our best two players through the first four or five games have been Nigel Pack and Mike McGurl, our, our two guards. And, you know, there's been some things that we've seen from, uh, from some of the big men. I think Antonio Gordon had, had played pretty good for, for kind of his role. And then uh, uh, EZ, uh, KOC Igeju, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, they've shown us a little bit of promise, but quite frankly, if you pointed, if you had me point to one thing that I thought is probably, if I had to point to something that K State's where their struggles lie at so far, I guess I would say, is I haven't quite seen the step forward from this year's sophomore class to last year's freshman class uh, that I would hope to have seen going in here to to this twenty twenty season. And then, of course, what I think the biggest issue on the court is, 
well, one, the offense isn't scoring enough points. You know, we I think we scored 68 against Fort Hayes State, and that some of that kind of came towards the end of the game where we were running and jumping and kind of extending the game out a little bit. But, you know, that's not going to get it done. And also, too, the defense and the rebounding has been particularly concerning because K-State is a program that prides itself on being tough defensively, and it, it hasn't been. So here through here through four game through uh, four or five games. Yeah, and I think I saw a KSU fan put out something that was like, "This is right now, obviously small sample size, but like uh, this is the worst our the K State's basketball's defense has been in like thirty five years or something." Oh yeah, I believe it. <laughs> so, I believe it. Yeah, one and four here through the first five, and you know it's. Um, I'll tell you what, if a, if a loss to Fort Hayes State doesn't uh, get people inspired, and or when I say people inspired, I say team get, gets their act together, I don't know what does. And uh, it's going to be – I'm really interested to see what happens on Friday night uh, as K-State hosts UW-Milwaukee at Bramwich Coliseum. Now, uh, UW-Milwaukee uh, – <clears throat> Milwaukee, of course, the the hometown of Bruce Weber. Oh, that's right. Um, they're coming in here uh, on on their fir- first game of the season. Hmm. And K State having dropped um, to Fort Hayes State, coming in licking their wounds a little bit. If I had to ask you, what um, what the line is on that game? I'm handicapping it. You're handicapping it. What? Because I know the answer. I would I would guess K State's like a Five-point underdog. K-State is favored by eight and a half points. Is uh is UW-Milwaukee, are they Division One? They are. Huh. They're on the Horizon League. So that, that seems like it doesn't, it's hard to com- reconcile that with K-State getting, eh, yeah, getting their doors blown off by uh, Fort Hayes. Or Fort Scott. Fort Hayes? Fort, Fort Hayes. Hayes. Fort Hayes. Fort Scott, Rob Jackson. Fort Scott, Rob Jackson. Fort, Fort Hayes. Hayes. Doors blown off. Yeah, I, I guess. So, um, yeah, so K-State, um, they get back to it here on Friday night uh, against, uh, you know, a really talented UW-Milwaukee team. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I'm looking forward to seeing. Pound the stone, baby. Well, you know what I will say is in times where this basketball program and, and Bruce Weber have, have – uh, Kind of, you know, felt their backs maybe up against the wall due to, you know, fans and, and, and all that stuff. They've seemed to come out a little bit uh, more inspired, a little bit more dangerous. Don't don't corner the scorpion, man. That's when he's most venomous. That's absolutely right. I think uh, I think you're going to see a nice performance out of KC, and I expect him to win. And if they don't, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. <laughs> that's a foreboding sign. So uh, we'll see. I, I it, it uh, you know, Bruce said in his post game that uh, he apologized to K State fans saying that this should never happen, and I don't think I'm going to argue with him on that. Yeah, no, I, you know, I have a famously long leash for K State basketball just because I am. You're football. I, guy. I uh, football. I, I pay way more attention to football. I think uh, basketball truly is just. Something to get me through the winter, uh, but you can't you, you can't lose to Fort to Fort Hayes. Um, that's that's something that's not good uh, business. That's, that's bad for business, Bruce. Um, and so hopefully uh, K State can bounce back and and kind of have 
some semblance of competence this year, but uh, based on what I've learned and yeah, this, so I'm sorry. This is kind of a harsh, <laughs> yeah. a harsh way to share the news with yeah, you. Yeah, it's but, horrible. Uh, but you know, maybe uh, like we said, maybe they can uh, figure it out because it seems like this team has some tap, some talent on it. You would well, think. You know, Nigel Pack's been a bright spot. Yeah, uh, he's really good. And Mike McGurl, uh, you know, he's really good. good. Pack, I, I like Pack. And K State had shot the ball really well uh, through their first couple games uh, from three point land, and have not done that uh, in losses to UNLV and uh, Fort Hayes, obviously. So fool's gold, maybe, maybe because I I think that this team has the ability to be a pretty good outside shooting team. But to me, if this team is going to you know, have some semblance of being competitive throughout the rest of the season. I think you're going to have to look at those two guys with Pack and McGurl as as the leaders, but you got to get someone out of Dejuan Gordon. And uh, he was really fighting it on, on Tuesday night against Fort Hayes. Missed a dunk. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've seen him play as poorly as he did against Fort Hayes. I'm looking here at the numbers – and um, 3 of 11, um, 0 of 5 from 3, 11 points, 5 turnovers. Hmm. So you see the 11 points, eh, it's not terrible. Yeah, it, it, it kind of was garbage time type stuff. And, you know, not a, not a good performance out of him. He's going to have to be a lot better if K-State is able to get it going. So I, I'll just go ahead and say this. Um, really a bad start for K-State. And um, going out on a limb, <laughs> really going out on a, on a on a strong limb there. Um, we'll see what happens because I I don't think I don't think Bruce will get fired after the season. But if Casey goes winless after finishing last place in the Big Twelve last year, it's going to be pretty hard to justify keeping him around. Yeah, and quite frankly. Uh, you know, I'm a big Bruce Weber fan, but Oof. not looking good. Not looking good here. So, not what you want? Uh, let's let's close the book on basketball, huh? And let's do it. let's uh, let's finish up here with a little um, with a little look at here at football. Regular season's over here for K State. Been some talk about you know what uh, you know if you look at bowl projections. I think I looked at one earlier today. We're in the first responders bowl against UTSA. Hell, that'd be awesome. So uh, we, you know, we have a little bit of familiarity with the Roadrunners, yeah. having, having played them uh, here in the last couple of years. Is Larry Coker still there? No, he is not. Ah. I don't know who is though. Oh, you know who it is? It's Doug. It's Doug, is it? <laughs> I he he always finds a way to kind of yeah. get back into the mix, and he's beep beep, you know, as yep. a Roadrunner. But um, well, that'd be fun. I'd be down for that. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but let's. I'm not... team. I'm team. Bowl game. Oh. By the way. Well, so here, here's my thing. I am too. However, we need to make sure we're actually willing and ready to play. We, because we, it, you don't it, want to lose the UTSA. The if we're season. seeing some more of this kind of half-ass stuff, where we're playing sloppy, undisciplined. And it, for pretty much, it's pretty apparent that, you know, we like I said, we kind of quit here on the last couple of games of the season. If that's what it's going to be down in, in whatever bowl game we go to, then then maybe it's best to stay home. I'll say that. 
But I'll give you that. But I think the the flip side of that is you saw how we finished the season. We have next to no momentum, no next to nothing to feel positive about going in to twenty twenty one. You know anything that if we go out, we blow the doors off of whoever we play. That would at least be something that we could have a little bit of positivity going in and feel maybe a little bit better about ourselves as we go into 2021. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'd say roll the dice. Like, I don't know that it that there's a worse way to end the season than uh, giving up 69, 66 points in three quarters to to Texas. I mean, so, yeah, if, if we want to go play UTSA and take a risk and a very losable game, mind you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say go roll the dice. I mean, get the practice time, and if if we're in a position right now where we're nervous about the UTSA game, then you know maybe we get what we deserve. But uh, I think I'm I think I prefer to see us. Oh yeah, I'd like to see us go out there and play. But if we're gonna go out there and play, let's let's actually be invested in going out there and, and putting out a decent performance, putting out decent effort. That, that's yeah, what I'm getting at. I agree. So we'll see what happens there. But it would be nice to see K-State have a chance to salvage any sort of positivity and end the season with a win. Uh, that's always you know, something that I think anyone can agree on. So we'll see what happens there. We should find out, um, well, the Big 12 championship game and college football selection uh, protocol and all that stuff happens here um, here in the next couple of weeks. So potentially we could find out before then on on uh, what uh, we do for a bowl game. So it'll be something we keep our eye on. That's right. That's well, right. Dilo, is there anything else you want to uh, touch on here before we wrap it up? No. 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 Well, not a great time for K-State sports, is You it? know, no, nah, not really. I, there have been more fun times, but eh, like we said, watch out for the Scorpion. That's right. That's right, and you know, as uh, what we do here on our internet radio show is we we break things down, and we, we come here through the thick and the thin. You know, I mean, it's it, we 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 love breaking down K State sports, and that's what we do. Yeah, you know, that's what we're here for. What's what we're here for for our listeners? Precisely. So, folks, that'll do it here for uh, the short side option podcast. We uh, we'll be back here possibly to break down a K State bowl game. And uh, we'll, uh, of course, uh, you know, kind of check in here throughout the rest of the season uh, here with the Scorpion and, and what goes on on the hardwood. So that'll do it here for us here on the Short Side Option Podcast. Thanks for listening, and go Cats.